Go ahead and have a seat. Before I get started this morning, I do want to make kind of a, a, a special little announcement. So I'm a little nervous this morning because we've changed things up a little bit for the presentation of the PowerPoint. Normally, I've got my computer right here, and I can see it, and I'm in control. Well, now I'm st still kind of in control. I got my clicker, but the presentation's up on the computer up there. So hopefully it will work. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> well, I want to tell you, today's message, today's message is, is very straightforward. In, in fact, it is so straightforward that I'm going to tell you right off at the beginning here what you might call the big idea. See, the big idea or the takeaway from this morning's message is this. When the world beats you down, Jesus will lift you up. That's it. When the world beats you down, Jesus will lift you up. And the fact of the matter is, is I could stop talking right now and you would have your inspiration and your challenge for the week. Oh, it's a rough crowd this morning. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> because Jesus' words from our passage this morning provide some very specific details of how that being lifted up actually works. And it's really good stuff. But the fact is, before we can get to that, we have to talk about why you and I need to be lifted up. You see, the world can beat us down in, in so many ways, and I've got a, just a few examples of how that beating down can happen. First, the world can <coughs> beat us down by telling us lies, or, or simply when we, we have that belief that somebody is lying to us. In September of 2020, Gallup reported their findings from a poll about people's trust in the media. And they discovered... In September of 2020, that 9% of the people that they surveyed trust in the media a great deal. 31% trust a, a fair amount in the media. 27% have not very much trust. And 33% of the people they surveyed had no trust at all. And Gallup reported that this percentage of no trust people was at a record high. 60% of the people they polled had questions about the media. They, didn't, they believed that the media wasn't being truthful with them. Now, regardless of what you think about the media one way or the other, there are other things that can be lies that we face. One example of, of a lie that happens is happiness depends on how much money that you and I have. Happiness depends on our living in the right place, our hanging out with the right people. A new lie that we've experienced is in, in recent years is that we all have to think the same way. We want to silence those who don't think like us. And my question to that is, why can't we disagree? Why can't we voice our disagreements, listen to each other, and still love each other? My last example of a lie is one that's been going on, I think, for years. It's been going on for way too long. It's one that I have shared in the past, um, but, but parents are still doing it. Parents are still telling their kids that Brussels sprouts are good for them. I know better. Chocolate is good for you. Brussels sprouts, 
not so good. A second example of how you and I can be beaten down is actually by love, by something positive. The American Psychological Association states that 40 to 50% of marriages will end in divorce. Now, the good news is that the divorce rates are at their lowest levels in years. But sadly, the percentage of people getting married is also declining. You see, committing to another person for the long term and staying with that person in, in a relationship can be a challenge. And not only that, I think many of us have been hurt by somebody that we care about. We've been rejected. We've been betrayed. Love can be tough. We can be beaten down by our beliefs. Christianity in the U.S. isn't as popular as it once was. Christians have been labeled as intolerant, but some, a few of those making that statement, don't tolerate the Christian faith. You know, when I was a kid, everybody went to church, at least it seemed like it, and people were proud of their, of their faith. But now, as, as Pastor David noted in the past couple of messages, having the Christian faith can open us up to persecution. And then finally, our personal failures bring us down. This is probably one of the most important things, the way we get beat down in the world, because there is nothing, there's nothing like our own shortcomings to dampen our spirit. When we say something or do something, and we know it's wrong, but we did it anyway, we often feel terrible. Maybe not in the moment, but afterwards, we beat ourselves up, we doubt ourselves, we're ashamed of the pain that, w that we've caused. And we can feel like we're a failure. Life, in general, has those times when it can bring us down. And with that in mind, let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are so many ways that we can be beaten down in life. Sadly, sometimes our own actions cause the problems. Other times, culture makes life difficult. People cause us pain and harm. Every one of us has seen trials and the hardships of life. And Father, we forget that we are your children. We forget Jesus' victory on the cross. And so this morning, we really thank you for the hope and the joy that we have in Christ. We ask that you would be with us today. Teach us. Remind us of the abundant life that was promised by our Lord. Help us to overcome by the blood of your Son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. This morning we're continuing our study of John's Gospel, and we're going to be focusing on John chapter 16, verses 25 to 33. Jesus' words to his disciples in this passage remind us that when the world beats you down, Jesus will lift you up. Reading from John 16. Jesus said, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father, and I have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. 
Jesus' disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you, believe, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these, thing, these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Read those last words to you again because they're so important and powerful. Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. When the world beats you down, Jesus will lift you up. In Christ, we overcome. We are overcomers, not in our own strength, but in Christ who strengthens us. And that is the good news. But as, as I start out the message, to say that we will overcome is a reminder to each of us that there is something that we need to overcome. And that is the tribulation or the, the trouble of which Jesus spoke. Now going back just to some verses prior to our reading for this morning, Jesus, Jesus shared some words of concern with his followers. He spoke of persecution. He's told his disciples and us that we would face hatred for our faith. Jesus spoke of, of going away. He said there would be a time of weeping and lament. There would be sorrow. He compared the pain of the coming days to a woman giving childbirth. But Jesus also spoke of joy. After a child is born, there is great joy. I've heard that the pain of childbirth is worth it. I'm just glad I've never had to experience it. The disciples would experience pain in Jesus going to the cross. There would be doubt. There would be confusion. They would scatter. They would be afraid. And yet it wouldn't last. Joy would come at Jesus' resurrection. The disciples would overcome in Christ. Life would not suddenly become easy for them. That wasn't going to happen. But life would have meaning. The disciples and us were called to live for Christ. Living for Christ became their mission, their goal in life. It is what, it is what Jesus called the abundant life. And it's still the only way to live today. Our John 16 passage points out several ways that you and I can overcome in Christ. It is the perfect ending to Jesus' farewell discourse. His final teachings, his challenges and encouragements to his disciples before he headed to the cross. The world might beat us down, but you and I can overcome by the truth. In the first verse of our passage, Jesus said, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. Jesus had previously spoken of his death and resurrection in figurative language. Jesus said he was going away. Jesus told the disciples they wouldn't see him anymore. He was going to the Father. Jesus said that he would come back. 
At one point, Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it again. It was language, it was words that Jesus used to talk to his disciple that, that we clearly understand today. We know he was talking about the cross and his death and the resurrection. We know the truth. We know what Jesus meant. But if you put yourself in the place of the disciples, they struggled to understand. And, and we shouldn't be too hard on them. That talk of death and resurrection by Jesus was more than they could bear. And yet the time was coming when the Holy Spirit would live in the hearts of the disciples. He would teach them the truth. He would convict them. He would guide them and empower them. He would open their eyes to Jesus' teaching. You see, the disciples would eventually understand. Through the Holy Spirit, Jesus would speak to them plainly about the Father. The disciples would be able to overcome the coming time of trouble by the truth that Jesus provided. And as we think about what they were going through, and in some sense, we might be able to grasp what the disciples experienced. See, Jesus always was truthful to them, but sometimes they had difficulty understanding the truth. And the same can be true for us. The coronavirus pandemic has been an experience that none of us will ever forget. And I don't know if you feel the way I do, but it breaks my heart that it became such a political weapon. And now I'm not saying that anybody, everybody in politics use it for its own purposes, but sadly, no matter where someone was on the political spectrum, it was tempting to use something like this pandemic to your own advantage. It's not the right way to do things. But politics aside, the truth of the coronavirus pandemic has been difficult to see, to, to fully understand what's going on. I remember in the early days, we were told not to worry too much. It wasn't going to be too bad. Even some of the medical experts told us not to be con too concerned about wearing face masks. And still today, there are people who challenge the amount of protection provided by a face mask. They do help. We should definitely wear them. But they're not a guarantee of our health. There are no guarantees. We expected the pandemic to last, to end maybe last summer. Now some are saying maybe this summer or maybe this coming fall. It's amazing the vaccines were produced in record time, but we're still not fully sure, I don't think, of how long their protection will last. From what I've read, we're not sure if they'll be effective against every possible mutation of the virus. Some people have concerns about the safety of the vaccines. And, and I think what it really comes down to is this, is that as human beings facing a pandemic, we want to know the truth. We want to know when life is going to return to normal. And we want to know what normal is going to look like. We want reassurance. We want reassurance that lives lost and permanently changed lives by this virus is going to end soon. That's what we want. But, but I think the challenge is that no one can know the absolute truth. You know, I think in, throughout this entire time, people were trying to tell us what they anticipated with the virus, educated people, but even the experts didn't know 100%. They were still learning, and they're still learning. And that's something that we don't always like. We want to know. We want the truth. We want answers, and when we don't get it, 
it's easy for us to get upset. Sometimes it's easy for us to, to blame. The disciples, they didn't understand. They didn't comprehend the truth about Jesus until after the resurrection. And just like we experienced stress with this pandemic, I believe that the disciples were caused stress when they were, Jesus was approaching the cross. It was painful. And Jesus sought to give them hope, true hope, reliable hope. Life will always be uncertain. But the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ will never change. It will never fail. And it's that truth that gets us through the day. It's that truth that conquers the fear of the unknown. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. But you know what? I know the one who holds the keys to tomorrow. And he's promised to be with us. And he's promised to never leave us. And he's promised to take us home. See, we overcome by the truth of Jesus Christ. And we also overcome in love. In verse 27, Jesus said, The Father himself loves you. The most famous verse of the Bible is John 3.16, and it reminds us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And we've been going through the Gospel of John, and Jesus said a lot about love in John's Gospel. He said, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. Another time he said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus said, greater love is no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. You see, we overcome by the love of Christ. We receive the love of God. Jesus commanded you and I to love others just as he loves us. I want you to try something. It might not be easy. You're, you're probably going to fail at times. I know I do. But this is kind of what I want you to try. The next time somebody is mean or unloving or rude to you or just disagrees with you, show them the love of Christ. Or you can try this. When you see the culture looking like it's turning its back on God, don't yell, don't scream, don't pout. Instead, pray. Pray for God to change hearts, including our own hearts. Ask God to show you how to love others who are different than you, who are different than me. Or when a friend or a coworker or a family member disappoints you or is critical, give them the benefit of the doubt. Love them, forgive them, even if they don't ask to be forgiven. And the big key to this is remember Jesus loves you, he loves me, imperfections and all. Now as I wrote this the other day, something came to mind. Speaking of love, I, I've got a reminder, and this is especially for the guys because I know how we think. Next Sunday is Valentine's Day, guys. It is a day to express your love, so don't forget. Okay. See, not only do we overcome in love, we also overcome in belief. It is true, Christians get beat down for our belief. And that's disappointing, but 
I think if we're also honest with ourselves, we sometimes struggle with our own belief. When we read the good news of Jesus in the Bible, there are those times when it is so amazing, so wonderful, it almost seems to be too good, too good to believe. Kind of reminds me of an experience in my early dating days with my wife, Mary. Early in our dating, Mary, one evening as we were driving, declared to me that she didn't want to date anyone else. I couldn't believe it. It was one of those things that was too good to be true. When I heard those words, I didn't say a thing in return. And Mary later told me that was good. She said, you know, if I would have simply parroted her words back to her, saying, oh, Mary, I will never date anyone except you, it might not have worked. It might not have felt sincere. But and she knows this now, but what she didn't know at the time is I was simply speechless. You see, I was a lot more used to the let's just be friends statement from girls. See, I, I would start to get serious with a girl, and guess what they'd do? They'd take off and run. I didn't want to date anybody besides Mary. I simply struggled to believe that she felt that way about me. I mean, did she really know who she was dating? The gospel of Jesus Christ is incredibly amazing. Jesus gave his life to save a bunch of miserable sinners like you and me who live selfish lives, who put so many things ahead of God, who can't even find time to take to pray or to read God's word, people who would rather try to save themselves than to admit that they need a Savior. And some people aren't even interested in God. They think Jesus was simply a good teacher, a good guy. They can't accept the fact that Jesus is God, that he came to earth in the flesh as one of us, that he died to pay the penalty for our sins, and that he rose again because all that is just too good to be true. But it is true. It is true. In verses 27 and 28, Jesus spoke of the love of the disciples for him. Jesus confirmed that they, the disciples, loved him and believed that he came from God. See, the disciples believed in Jesus even though their belief had a lot of growing to do. And then we continue in verse 29, and the disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe you came from God. You read that, and it, it appears like the disciples, they were really getting it. It was possible that they finally understood what Jesus had been saying to them. They no longer questioned. They no longer had doubts. They knew Jesus knew everything. And they explained that is why they believed that Jesus came from God. Their belief appeared to be a deep and growing and saving faith. Of course, if you know the story, you know that the disciples' belief wasn't that strong. When Jesus was arrested, tried, and crucified, the disciples scattered. Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. And the rest of the disciples went into hiding. They believed, or they said they believed, but their actions betrayed their supposed belief. 
You see, the good news of the gospel is that through Jesus, we can overcome in failure, in our failure. When Jesus was arrested, the disciples failed. They failed Jesus. In verses 31 and 32, right after the disciples declared their belief, Jesus said this to them. He said, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Jesus questioned, do you believe? And the words that he followed it with could be paraphrased this way. Are you sure you believe? Because your actions will soon betray your words. Jesus knew the disciples were deserting. He knew that their belief had a lot of growing to do. And the fact is, as we read that story and as we think about the disciples, maybe you're like me. Sometimes I wonder, why did Jesus stick with these guys? Couldn't he find, find a better group of people to, to disciple? Couldn't he have found people who had a stronger faith, who, who got it, people who were obedient and devoted? Maybe, couldn't he have found a bunch of people like you and me? Well, the truth is, the disciples were a bunch of people like you and me. Flawed people who fail. Not all the time, but we do fail. But Jesus didn't give up on his disciples. He doesn't give up on you either. Jesus made it possible for the disciples and people like us to overcome our failures if we put our trust in him. See, it really comes all down to this. We overcome in Christ. Listen again to what Jesus said in the last verse of our passage. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus offered words of peace. They weren't empty words. You know, when, when life has beaten us down, sometimes people will try to help us. And sometimes their words, they help us, they encourage us. But other times their words kind of offer an empty hope. We've tried to lift up another person and, and say the right thing when maybe in our mind we've been thinking, you know what, this situation is terrible. I can't see it getting any better. They are doomed. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus offers us peace, peace with God. And such peace comes from knowing that we're not alone. It's a peace that points us to heaven. And such peace comes down to us from Jesus. As Jesus said, in me you may have peace. We have peace in union with Christ, in our belonging to Christ, in our adoption by God, in our sharing in the joys and the sufferings with Christ. Tribulation, trouble, it's a sure thing. No one avoids suffering in this life. There are disappointments. Things can feel uncertain. People do hurt us. Our own sin, our own failures can threaten to destroy us. But we take heart. We have hope because we know Jesus overcame the world. Jesus overcame sin. 
He overcame the devil. He overcame the punishment that we discerned. He overcame death. And that is the reason for our hope. It is the reason that you and I can overcome. We overcome in Christ. This message is simple for the follower of Jesus. It's our big idea. It's a promise. It's a reason for hope, and it should be our battle cry. And if you remember nothing from this message tomorrow, this morning, remember this. When the world beats you down, Jesus will lift you up. When the world beats you down, trusting in Jesus, he will lift you up. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning from very different places in life. But one thing is common. We all face this uncertainty of a pandemic. Things seem to be getting better, Lord. But we're waiting for it to end. Others of us are facing other things in life that beat us down. Maybe a relationship has gone bad, or maybe there's a problem at work, or maybe our health has us down. Maybe we don't know. Maybe we're just experiencing the winter blues. But Father, it is so good to know that in Christ we can overcome. Life may not be easy, but life has meaning. Life has purpose. You are with us. You are the reason for our hope. Through your Son, we have the promise of eternity. We have a reason to live. And through Him, we overcome. We close by praying the words often called the Lord's Prayer. Praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.